Hey everybody, it's Lon Seib and it's time once again for your weekly wrap up. And this week I thought we would take a look at the US government's report on self-driving technologies. I think a lot of the media didn't get the full story and we're going to take a look at the actual report and compare it to what the headlines look like. Let's get to it. Now, before we dive into this, I thought it might be helpful to look at the history of self-driving technologies and how we got to where we are right now. Back at CES in 2015, the very first CES I went to, uh, we got invited over to BMW's exhibit where they had essentially an off-the-lot car that was able to navigate itself in a parking lot. And at the time we did this video, this was like the coolest thing ever to have a car that's driving itself, even a very short distance like this one was. But it was pretty clear that it was able to navigate around a few obstacles. It was also aware of pedestrians. You see that woman just walked right in front of the car and it stopped for her. And all of that was pretty impressive. In fact, this was the most watched video from CES, at least for me that year. And you can see how uh, seven or so years uh, ages me as well. And here's another view of the cars and the route that they were taking, basically staying within this defined zone. But you can see there's no LIDAR hanging off of the car. There's no fancy technology. It was using pretty much the lane keeping tech that started uh, popping up in cars about 15 or 20 years ago with the radar assisted cruise control and now the cameras that keep the cars in lane. And at that event, I asked somebody from BMW, if this car has all this stuff built in, why are you not shipping the cars with the software to do what you're exhibiting here? And he said to me that they're very fearful of an accident, that one bad thing happening with one driver that's not paying attention or somebody misusing it will ruin it for everybody. And therefore, they kept the bare minimum feature set on these cars, which basically stuck with nudging you over in lane if you happen to drift out a little bit. And of course, the radar-assisted cruise control. Now, a little later that year, Tesla rolled out Autopilot, which took the very same technology that was in that BMW and did all of the things that BMW didn't want to do with it, which is namely having the car drive itself on the highway, staying within a lane, changing lanes if you hit the turn signal, and of course using all the features that a radar-assisted cruise control could do. But at the time, in those second-generation Model S cars, that was all it could do, yet they marketed it as an autopilot. And although they were very specific about what it could and couldn't do in their communications, they really didn't stop people from trying to push the envelope on it. And of course, we've seen lots of videos online of people falling asleep while they're driving the car, taking their hands off the wheel, eating and doing other things while the car was staying in lane. And although it was good at doing that, in most cases, there were the times in which it wasn't and some serious accidents occurred. One of the more serious ones was this fatal accident in Florida where a driver slammed into the side of a tractor trailer at full speed because he was not paying attention and thought the autopilot would be able to detect something like that. And because at the time, autopilot was very much dependent on the radar system, it likely didn't see it because these radars were designed to ignore stationary objects when traveling at high rates of speed. And therefore, the car just drove right through it. And I guess the camera was not able to separate the white trailer from the sky either. So it was just a total failure of the system and a failure of the driver to properly pay attention. But in the wake of some of these accidents, some of them involving cars colliding with 
first responder vehicles on the side of the road. Uh, the manufacturer of the technology that Tesla was using at the time for the autopilot decided to break away from the relationship, which I think Tesla was probably going to do anyhow, and stopped working with Tesla on future vehicles. And what Tesla ended up doing in their third generation of the autopilot technology was to make it fully optical, relying just on cameras and no radar at all. So let's take a look at the government's report now and see what this is all about. They collected data on 392 reports of crashes involving vehicles that have one of these automation systems and that automation system was active 30 seconds before the crash occurred. Now this is 392 incidents. Here in the US there are 6.7 million car crashes a year. Uh, 2020 had fewer crashes because there were fewer people driving, but unfortunately, a higher level of fatalities. And you can see that in 2021, fatalities in the U.S. exceeded 42,000, almost 43,000. And a lot of those are due to drivers not paying attention to what's going on on the road, where some of these automation systems might actually help make things safer. So the reality here, we're looking at 0.007% of the total vehicle accidents that we get in the United States in any given year, a very, very small number. And not every accident is reportable. So the ones that are reportable include any time the car collides with a vulnerable road user. This means like a bicyclist or a pedestrian or something along those lines. They of course want data on any accident involving a fatality, an accident where the vehicle is so damaged it had to be towed away, an airbag deployment, which would also uh, kind of assume a more severe crash, and then any time an individual had to be transported to a hospital for medical treatment. But in my opinion, and I'm no expert on this, but I would think any accident involving an automated vehicle is one the government should be looking at if they're concerned about these sorts of things because uh, we want to make sure these cars aren't at fault for colliding with people or things and they're only looking for the more severe cases here so we don't know how many minor accidents involve one of these systems and although a minor accident might be minor one day the same type of error could result in a more serious accident later and i'm again surprised they're not looking for more information beyond that they also spend about half of the report talking about why you can't really use their data to draw any conclusions just yet. So for example, they're not confident that they actually have 392 unique car crash reports here, just that they have 392 reports of crashes, but some of these reports might be duplicated because they were filed at different times and by different agencies. They also are very careful to point out that just because one manufacturer has more reports than another, it doesn't mean that their cars are less safe because of how this data is reported. Now, Teslas have the highest number of vehicles equipped with this technology, and they also have a telemetry system that is constantly reporting back to the mothership. This is how they're training their self-driving AI by collecting data from all of the cars on the road and i'm sure anytime a tesla gets into an accident they're ingesting that to see what kinds of uh, patterns emerge in accident types and trying to figure out ways to avoid them other manufacturers don't have this level of telemetry 
So they're relying on the consumer who was in the accident saying that they had the telemetry system enabled when it occurred. I don't think many consumers would admit that because it might put them at further fault. And because these cars don't have a way of reporting back when an accident occurs, the manufacturer is not required to disclose anything because they just don't have any knowledge of the accident. And Tesla, uh, to their detriment here, does. Now, it's hard to find data on how many cars Tesla has on the road with this technology because most Teslas now that are manufactured have the hardware, but not all have the software enabled because it is a very expensive add-on. But I think we could comfortably say at this point, based on these estimates from Lex Fridman from a couple of years ago, that there are most likely north of a million vehicles on the road currently equipped with hardware that would be level two per the government's definition. Now the government did disclose how these reports came in and most of them came from the result of a telematic system. They did not though specify which manufacturers had telematics and which ones did not. But I think given the large number of Tesla accidents that are on the report, we could safely assume that most of these telematic reports came from the Tesla vehicles. They also noted though 139 complaints or claims came in from drivers themselves, but there is an overlap here and they note that there were multiple reports for the same crash. So you could have had a police report, a telematic report and a consumer complaint all in one here. Additionally, they provided data on the damage from the accidents and most of them involved the front of the car, which indicates that the car hit something as opposed to being hit itself. What they don't talk about in this report, though, is who is at fault. And this, to me, was the biggest omission from this report. How hard is it to get the police report of these car accidents? There's not that many. And most police reports try to figure out which driver was at fault. And if these systems are causing accidents, it probably would be good to know about that in a government uh, agency responsible for the safety of cars on the road. But they're silent on that. Now, as far as injury severity is concerned, uh, there were unfortunately six fatalities and five serious injuries. And although every one of those is tragic, it is a very small number compared to the total number of fatalities and serious injuries we have nationwide every year. Uh, there were 22 moderate injuries, 19 minor injuries, and 46 accidents where no injuries were reported. And then again, another omission here, 294 reports of unknown, which means that they didn't dive into accident reports to try to figure out whether or not there were severe injuries. Again, not much we can do with this data. Now, this last slide shows what these vehicles collided with, and about 116 of these accidents involve collisions with other vehicles. And they note, though, that if the vehicle collided with more than one object, they picked the primary object for the report here, but we don't know the criteria of that. They also note that four of these crashes involve a vulnerable road user, one with a cyclist and three with pedestrians. But again, we don't know the circumstances behind any of this. For all we know, it hit a car first and then hit a cyclist because there's just no detail to the whole list of accidents that took place. Now, despite the fact that this report is so light on details, and spends half its narrative talking about how you can't draw any conclusions from it, leave it to the media to draw conclusions. And as you can see, the headlines here were almost entirely about 
how Tesla is leading driver-assisted technology crashes, yet they don't know in the report if they're even at fault for those crashes. And of course, the telematic system is why there are so many Teslas reporting back, along with the number of Teslas that are equipped with this technology in the first place. I want to draw your attention, though, to this headline that I saw on Google News from The Verge. This article came out a couple of days after the report, but the day the report was released, this was how The Verge reported it. And this is the kind of stuff that people see. People don't read articles anymore. They look at the headlines on social media. And I think it painted Tesla in an unfair light because we just don't know the facts. The system could very well be unsafe, but that's not what the government report said. Meanwhile, that's what the media is reporting. And in fairness, there were a number of articles that did try to dive into the specifics here, but most of the narrative is what you see here on screen from a Google News search. Now, Tesla has a report that they issue to the public on a quarterly basis, and they've been doing this now for the last several years, reporting about crashes involving their autopilot technology. So in the fourth quarter of 2021, which is the most recent report, they recorded one crash per 4.31 million miles driven when autopilot technology was employed. When drivers were not using autopilot technology, they recorded one crash every 1.59 million miles driven. And this data has been very consistent year over year. And in my experience, using autopilot now for about four years or so, it has been a safer driving experience for me. I tend to turn it on and leave it on when I'm on the highway. And of course, I take over whenever something crazy is going on. I can show you in this video how I manage it. Uh, this was from a couple of years ago, but I still pretty much drive with it the same way. And one of the things that I like about Autopilot is that it sees all around the car at all times. Not only is it monitoring the safety of my vehicle, it's looking at all the other vehicles near it to see if any of them are about to collide. And it will react if a car in front of me has an accident. Uh, and those are the sorts of things that a human just can't do as effectively because we can really focus only on one thing on the road at a time. And I like having that extra peace of mind. It has warned me before I was about to get into uh, a lane where somebody was about to cut me off. It has nudged me over when a truck started nudging into my lane a bit. It does some really neat stuff to keep you safe. Did it prevent an accident? I have no idea. It probably has, uh, but I do feel safer driving with it and I've never felt unsafe driving with it. Now, Tesla has a new technology, of course, which is full self-driving. And my latest vehicle has this installed and I am on the beta now. So I thought I would take you out for a quick spin. Uh, just note that I was doing this with a GoPro strapped to my head. There are much better content creators out there for covering autopilot, which I will direct you to in a minute. But have a watch here and see how the car does driving around my town. All right, so we are gonna drive up to a local school here. And we'll see how long it can go before I have to disable things. And so this is gonna consist of a right turn and a little bit later a stop sign okay so now we're going to hit our right turn signal and it'll take the turn there we go not bad okay so now we're coming up to a four-way stop and i'm not sure how busy it's going to be over here today but we'll see what happens now the way the car works is that it's going to come to the stop sign and it counts who else comes to the stop sign so if um, I am the first one to the stop sign, then I will be the first one to go. But if somebody else is there ahead of me, 
it is going to go um, wait for that car to come out first. Um, one of the areas that, <laughs> one of the things that happens in my area is that people are very nice around here and they tend to wave you forward, but that's not how the car works. So it will sit there until that car goes unless you hit the gas pedal. <laughs> so that's one thing that I often find myself doing is uh, when I'm waved forward, even if I'm not first, uh, is to coax the car into going here. And now we're going up this uh, hill here and the car is basically driving itself. I have my hands on the wheel because I need to, it's the rules, um, but also just in case something crazy happens. I found it's really cautious, so it doesn't do many crazy things, but you never know when it might do something crazy. So that's why we're being really careful here. But you will see though that it's, it's looking around. It is looking, as you can see down there in the control panel, um, it sees cars everywhere. It is really good at seeing vehicles, uh, pedestrians, bike riders, traffic cones, and oddly, it is really good at finding garbage cans. Like it is the best garbage can detector ever. And you'll see the traffic cones that it's picking up there. They're doing a lot of road work around here. All right, so we're coming down to the end of the hill and we're gonna see that speed limit sign come by there at 35. And yep, it'll adjust down to 35 now. So as long as it sees a speed limit sign, it will comply. But I think what you'll see when we get to the bottom of the hill, and I, I will adjust for this, is that after it takes its right turn, it's not gonna see a speed limit sign to slow it down. So you've gotta really be on top of things. And so I'll probably turn the speed down when we make the turn here. And it's going to get a little tricky because there is a bike rider and that's going to impact. Um... Turn sharp right to stay on Main Street. Okay, so here we go. This is going to be a really tight turn for it. And the other traffic here does not stop. And I'm going to turn myself down to 20 here just because I know it's what it's going to do when it gets into the intersection here. All right, there we go. We're moving. And it did it. And I had to look around just to be safe, but once it feels like it can make the turn it goes all right now here we've got now it's stopping at the uh, crosswalk which is fine I don't see any pedestrians in there and now it's coming to the stop sign this is a brand new stop sign and it is successfully stopping all right we're gonna roll through and it's still a little unsure of itself as it goes through some of these intersections all right so here we go the signal is on and it's gonna to come to a full and complete stop here, and then it will nudge forward. Now I'm gonna give it a little bit of gas just to get it get it moving here, because it's, like I said, it's often really cautious, more so than it needs to be sometimes, especially if there's no cars in the way. And now we'll continue on. And here's another example of the car navigating around a trailer that was parked on the side of the road. It's handling these things very elegantly, and it's also very good about looking out for pedestrians and other vulnerable road users, as the government calls them. And I think it's getting there. It's still far from being something that you could turn on and sit back and relax. Now, as I mentioned, there are some other creators who do a much better job of covering full self-driving technology. Uh, one to check out is the AI driver who takes this around San Francisco, which has some crazy roads, and it's fun to see how the car handles all of that. Another favorite of mine is Dirty Tesla. He gets the betas very early and is very fair in his coverage. And you can see how the car reacts in rural and more suburban settings in his videos. And those are two that I check out all the time to see the status of the FSD system on the Tesla.
So thank you all for tuning into this analysis on the reporting of the government report that just came out on automated driving technologies. Half of this report says that you can't draw any conclusions due to our lack of data, yet the media draws conclusions and doesn't look at the fact that highway fatalities here are on an unacceptable rise. And the only way we're going to put a stop to them is to introduce more automation to make things safer. And that's where the focus should be, not just making stuff up based on a lack of available information. Now this week's wrap up is being brought to you by all of you. We've got some super chatters and super thankers to thank. Uh, first, I wanna thank Chris Allegretta for making a gold level contribution during one of our live streams the other day. Also during one of our live streams, Mark Dell donated some money for memberships for other viewers of the channel. And you'll see their names pop up in a second. I guess you can randomly gift memberships to the channel to other people, which is what he did. So thank you very much for that, Mark. I also want to thank River TV, Grayson Petty, Chanflay98, Brandon Lee, Undine Henward, and Billy Laptop. And we also have some new supporters here on the channel. Got Wire contributed via Floatplane. Matt Kelly contributed via our donor box page. Then we got a bunch of new YouTube members, and I think most of these came from Mark Dell's contribution. Cold Hornet, Stacey Iadell, Brian, Jeffrey, Greg M, and Matt K. I want to thank everyone who contributed this week and everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, and all of you who just watch on a regular basis too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lawntv slash support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also support Floatplane, the YouTube membership program, and Patreon. We have other channels where you can find me on, including my extras channel for unboxings and supplementary content. We also have the Amazon page at lawntv slash Amazon shop, where you can watch a lot of my reviews ad-free, along with some cool live streams. We now have two email lists. We've got the weekly email at lawntv slash email, and then we have a digest email at lon.tv slash digest, which is daily. And I've been doing pretty good uh, here at uh, keeping that email list going. So if you want to hear from me frequently, sign up. And it is a double opt-in, so it will send you an email that you have to confirm before you get subscribed. So look in your spam if you don't see that after subscribing. We also have a store where I sell previously reviewed items that are a little used but not very used and usually sold at prices lower than new and you can find that at lon.tv slash store and get an email alert every time i add something to the store at lon.tv slash store alert and that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap up this one's probably running a little longer than usual but i think it's important when the media gets something wrong like this something that i think is very important that we dive in and see what the facts really are that's going to do it for now until next time this is lon Sybin. thanks for watching this channel is brought to you by the lon.tv supporters including gold level supporters chris allegretta brian parker hot sauce and video games baby metal fox god Tom Albrecht. Amda Brown. Matt Zagaya. And Tech Time with Eric. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month.
Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv s.